1: Hello listeners, this is the Fulhamish Podcast, live and direct from the heart of the capital, your independent voice of Fulham FC, your black and white filter on the happenings in the Championship and beyond. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be doing my best to emulate a resurgent Tom Kearney and control this pod from the centre of the park. Surrounding me are some familiar voices and a debutante, two men you know well, the Professor Ben Jarman. Hello everyone. And the King of Controversy, Farrell Monk. (laughs) Hello. And I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Isabel Barker, sports journalist, recipient of the first ever Vicky Orbis scholarship at The Sun and lifelong Fulham fan. Isabel, amongst all these charlatans, it's good to have someone who knows what they're actually talking about. Oh, good thanks idea. for
0: having me, guys. You're
1: not at all. How welcome. are we all? Good?
0: Yeah, good, thank you.
1: It's always better after three points at the weekend, isn't it? But before we get on to that important win over Preston, it would be remiss for us not to start things off with a couple of three-word reviews over to you, Farrell Monk.
2: Yeah, there was a uh, few good ones. Uh, I'll start off with Anthony Gumbel's fast break goal. Um, obviously, we've finally got one on the board. Um, Liam Ballard, and this is going to delight the two gentlemen in the room, two other gentlemen in the room, the, uh, the, from Liam Ballard, uh, the Irish Cafu. Oh, what a player. What uh, a player. What a song. Yeah, and uh, we've got Rick Cardis's Brian's Hammy End.
0: I think that's quite good. Which is quite good.
2: <laughs> But the one that got the most likes on there, which I quite enjoyed, but it did take me way too long to figure out, was David Wellington's Preston wrong end. Mm-hmm.
1: Very good. Yeah. Very good. Well, it was a slow first half? I think, you know, that well, before we get onto that goal and all those big moments happen, just not very interesting for 45 minutes. Isabel, what, what did you make of it?
0: I actually, in a weird way, thought that was a, quite a good sign. We didn't have that crazy 20 minutes where we play like Barcelona and then all hell breaks loose. Um... And I thought, OK, maybe something different is kind of going on here. And I was actually, although it wasn't, they were well organized and it wasn't a very interesting first half. I kind of took some positives from that because it was it was different because, you know, we've had that so many times now. We're like this horrible shot of Jaeger or something like that. Like, it seems like a great idea for 20 minutes, then all hell breaks loose. And we, we <laughs> kind of grew like a like a nice fine whiskey or something like that.
1: There's nothing <laughs> that upsets me more than us being turned around by the opposition and having to shoot towards the hammy end in the first half. It makes me really nervous, really upset. And, you know, so it proved, Ben, not good in the first half.
3: No, it wasn't that good in the first half to be shooting, you know, the wrong way. Yeah. It just felt really uncomfortable. I actually felt like... My life had been turned upside down for a a short period of time. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air vibes. Yeah, like massive Fresh Prince of Bel-Air vibes. And also the fact that we had been out and like both of us were sort of like half drunk, just sort of (laughs) of singing for most of the half about nothing much. But yeah, I I completely agree with you as about it. It was just a, a nice start to the game. It was like the first 20 minutes were sort of solid and we sort of grew into it. For a large part, and that middle half of the first half was really, really good from Fulham. We drove with the ball, we found some good openings. Um, when Cyrus came on, he injected a new lease of life into the team, which was, I think, needed because at that point we had already settled into a sort of slow ish rhythm and he just sort of took the game by the scruff of the neck, which I liked. And then we got four seasons in about 10 minutes, and that's when it was all a bit mental, it started wasn't it? yeah.
1: Michael Hector, before we get on to Cyrus, because he's going to feature heavily in the next 15 <laughs> minutes of discussion. You can tell Jack's hosting yeah, the polls. Yeah, yeah, shock horror, Jack hosts the pod. We want to talk about Cyrus Christie. But Michael Hector, a couple of huge blocks from him, Farrell, in the first, in the opening segment. You know, one really, really yeah. good one that's been doing the rounds on social media, but a couple of other just solid tackles when when things were a little bit under the caution. He helped us weather a, a small storm. I think it was probably, you know, not too heavy, but we, we did what we needed to do, and he was the kind of heart of that and another good performance from what is turning out to be a wonderful January signing.
2: Yeah, uh, as you as you quite rightly say, you know, whether that, that, that small storm before the bigger storm... Uh, that... Well, actually, was a storm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, me and my brother decided to move further up the Johnny Hain stand to get away from the rain slightly and then the wind changed and we were being hammered in the top tier of the Johnny Hain stand, which is going something. Um, but, yeah...
1: Ben I had... and I were looking at the Johnny Hain stand, thinking... I bet Farrell's in there.
2: That's well funny. <laughs> it must be well bad to be sat in there
3: as we sat there, nice and warm at the back dry, of the hammock. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, but I was too engrossed in the epic football that was in front of me to care about getting a little bit of droplets of rain on me. But it was good to see, as you say, Hector has been um, in remarkable form since um, since joining in January. Yeah, there's two excellent blocks in there. I mean, when I was, I've made some notes uh, during the game, and there's three op- three times in the first half where I've written excellent block by Hector so that's really good to see but you know it's it, considering it was largely a stale game it was some somehow it was easy to forget that Preston did have like three really good chances mm. in, the, in the first like 12 minutes alone they did have that disallowed goal which from my angle looked like David Nugent was going to be livid that it was poked home considering it looked like it was, it going, was in anyway. going in anyway but it, it you know it wasn't and fortunately the offside flag did go up so it was easy to forget those things but then we were largely in control um, of the game. Um, weirdly, I didn't think that Preston were going to score at all for some reason. I, d- I didn't feel like they had enough penetration. Mm-hmm. They've got um, three very good attacking midfielders in Potts and Barcasen and uh, Sean Maguire. And behind them, Daniel Johnson is is quite an excellent little player. He's
1: turning into it. Used to be, we used to laugh at Daniel Johnson quite a lot. And now yeah. he's actually turned into quite a useful footballer, which is one, annoying, and two...
2: Mm-hmm you know, shows that we probably shouldn't write people up. <laughs> but um, it's, but it certainly shows that they're just lacking that one extra striker. They are playing David Nugent, who, you know, turned out for Preston many, many eons ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I didn't feel that Fulham were that much under pressure for much of the game, really.
1: I think, look, two weeks ago we were talking about that Barnsley result and that's a you know, a, a big blip in many ways. But since conceding three goals, we've kept two clean sheets, which is probably, you know, the one way you want to bounce back from that. And and Hector, after having quite a poor game against Barnes, he was excellent in both of those things. And it's nice to think that we're a little bit settled. And Rodak immediately bouncing back, you know, obviously not the, the Derby game where he was excellent. And then two clean sheets on the back of that. That's, just, you know, a hell of a way to bounce back. Yeah, Yeah.
3: massively.
0: I think it's it's important to have like an informed Rodak as it is to have like an informed Mitrovic or Kenny. Like he's so important for us. Also, I'm actually thrilled for Hector because he's virtually been living out his suitcase at every other club. So for him to be finding his form, like he must really, really want this. And that's great for us, I think.
1: He's just been so angry just sort of sitting on the bench and watching those (laughs) games for the first half of the season being like, if this good deal had gone through three hours (laughs) earlier, I could be playing right now. But it has helped him sort of hit the ground running, I
0: think. Yeah,
3: I feel like Fulham at the, at the moment they're sort of like a boxer that a couple of weeks ago had had sort of like a pretty big left hook um, and they're sort of they're now writing themselves to get ready for you know the last couple of rounds before obviously the the big one at the end of the season and we've got some really tough matches coming it's important to find every ounce of form that you have and I think this game we found ourselves some really nice balance in terms of, especially in the defence, after after Joe went off, I thought there was an opportunity for us to fall apart slightly. But if anything, it gave us a, a fresh impetus. And I think that finally we might have found that balance in midfield because Bobby Reed has... Especially allowed, at home. It, sort of, yeah, it sort of allowed Kearney to release the shackles mm-hmm. a little bit. We've tried Kearney in a 10, we've tried him in the 8, and now it sort of feels like he's at home a little bit further back. And he can just... Control the game, and that's because you have Bobby Reed there. And if it wasn't for him, I think we would have been really struggling to create anything in midfield. The way he moves between the lines, the overload he gets around the centre, and we always talked about having Cavaliero and Knockart near to Mitrovic. It's not. I think the guy that we need near to Mitrovic is Bobby Reed because he's got the pace to to do those backwards and forwards. And also, it means that you have two players who are consistently out wide, just going to peg wing backs back. And we saw that with Preston's right back who. Is the epitome of he doesn't want it at the back.
1: I think something that I've always said about Bobby Reed in the ten, and this is going to sound more of an insult than it's supposed to be. It's meant to be a compliment, mm. is that he's really good at getting out of the way of Kearney. Mm. In that, mm, yeah. you know, when when we've seen Fulham be stuffy and and not so strong in years, it's because everyone seems like a bit on top of each other and yeah. we kind of lose that free flowing nature. But Bobby Reed seems to drift so much that Kearney goes, "All right, yeah, maybe I will carry the ball." 15 yards further up than I was going to if if I hadn't do and and that's important.
2: I would love to have in front of me right now the difference of Tom Kearney's heat map from before 2 games ago and and now today because he now sort of occupies that sort mm. of left-hand side excellently and but is has that freedom to drift when he wants to and he's very difficult to pick up which we definitely saw against against Swansea like how difficult he was, you know, is giving them the the two uh, pivot players of of Swansea absolute nightmares. And it's really sort of helped our overall game. I think it's also in a really sort of subtle way allowed um, Harry Arter to sort of be that soul breaking up a play. And I think mixed with the fact that, you know, we are getting a lot more crosses into the box than we ever have done this season, um, that it's based probably Parker's just said to Arthur, you are our sole responsibility to pick up any loose balls that have come from the breakdown on crosses and I
3: think that's where, that's especially what you said there the breakdown it's much quicker around the breakdown now than it has been for the last three or four games like the way we distribute the ball through the third this weekend mm. was really positive and to see Tom Kearney breaking forward was, was excellent especially like driving with the ball we haven't seen that for a while and it is all about the pace it is literally about how fast can we transition through these thirds and I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago on Fulhamish about how slow we were, and then you look at the last couple of games; it's definitely got faster, not as fast as it used to be, no. albeit. But our transitions getting... have got quicker.
1: I wanted yeah. to come on to a player that was, you know, crucial to that, and that was Cyrus Christie and Isabel. I think for me, the kind of key was an overlapping fullback opens up space for your wings, and we talked about this, you know, for we talked about this for weeks, and that you know, our, our fullbacks have been really quite sterile and yes Joe Bryan gets assist for Mitrovic but they're from deep mostly mm. and having a fullback that went round the side and went and got to the byline and drove inwards seemed to open up space for everybody else and I think the whole kind of attacking core thrived with with Christie on the pitch and that was you know good to see given the amount of stick he's got from well, Fulham fans.
0: yeah I think it's so important because okay, okay. He, he didn't score but to have defensive players doing that is so important, especially at this stage. You see a, uh, a club like West Brom, I think 11 of their goals or something have come from defenders When maybe a few weeks ago. So I don't know if that's changed. And what, have we only had one goal from a defender or yeah, anything like that? Good. And yeah, and I think, OK, he didn't score, but it makes such a difference. It, it opens up our creativity. And I think that is so important for us. And it just completely, as you said, it has, it, it's sped up making those chances. And I think, um, yeah, no, I was thrilled for him. I wanted to know what he had for breakfast as well. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> if Cyrus had his Weetabix and everyone's yeah. happier. barrel Yeah, I, I totally echo all of that. And um, again, the amount of times like Cyrus and I mean, Adoy to a lesser extent, but he was contributing. The, ima- the amount of times like they were trying to play out wide and they were stepping on the toes of the wingers and getting the ball ahead of them. And then all of a sudden they've got all this space to gallop into in front. It's reminiscent of how Tim Ream was um, not from left back, that's for sure. But certainly <laughs> two years ago, when he was stepping onto the sto- toes of the striker and winning it, and then creating attacks from there, and it was very productive of the weekend. Although no goals came from it,
1: I think that you know that's absolutely key. You know when you're stepping out and you're you're winning the ball in those areas, but. I think when you see Cyrus sort of galloping down the wing, and galloping is a good word because he does really open up and stretch the legs. It's kind of reminiscent of what Ryan Fredericks used to do. I'm not saying he's as good as Ryan Fredericks because I think Ryan Mm. Fredericks was probably the best right back the championship has seen in in a you know a long time, but it allows other players to come into the game. And I think something we've seen from our wingers, and there've been plenty of questions about our wingers and whether they can play together, or should they be switching wings because they'd be able to kind of mix things up a little bit more. But actually it gives the winger an option because he can either go left or right instead of just being like, every time we cut back. And the defender can kind of read it. So that helps us to kind of open up chances, I guess.
0: It was slightly reminiscent, as you say, to Ryan Fredericks, and that's such a nice thing to see.
1: Yeah, we, we miss him. We miss <laughs> oh, him immensely. Do. It kind of felt like the own goal was a lucky moment. But one, you take them all. And two, we scored from a corner. We never score from corners. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think I might be alone in saying this because I've had a look at Twitter and I want to know what you guys think as well. But I didn't think Knockhart's delivery was that bad. I thought two of his corners was, was, were good.
1: Oh, we scored from one of them. Yeah, yeah. That bad. and then one of them was really I mean, the most good
0: productive as well. corner
3: take we've had Everyone. for about decades. Yeah,
0: and but I think a lot of people are giving him stick about his delivery. But yeah, I was interested to know what you guys thought.
3: I was actually going to talk about a delivery, but from a Preston point of view, because if you look at their corner, they had in the last minute that we scored from. It's- terrible mm. It was it's the flattest corner I've seen in a long while and it's so easy to defend it barely gets past Hector I don't know mm. what they thought they were going to try and do with it yeah. but I thought it in low
1: have a bit of, you know try and get some pinball going yeah but it? it just didn't, it just it didn't, didn't do really that work. it was
3: way too far out in terms of the box for it to have any sort of effect but I thought knock deliveries were quite good this weekend I, I, did, I thought yeah. they, they had a nice they had a good height to them. They had a good pace on them, which is what you need, and they were able to be attacked. Yeah, we got yeah. a bit of fortune. His, de- well. well, his
1: delivery from open play is much weaker than his delivery from a dead yeah. ball. Yeah. So I think people, I think people complain about that quite a lot, and I think they're probably maybe a, you know within their rights to point, do yeah. so. But yeah, I think his corner delivery at the weekend was good. But you know, yeah, they will th- count. They all count. Well, yeah,
2: and they you know the, probably the people who are critical of it are just looking at the ones. He did against Swansea because they were they weren't of good quality, but the ones of the week went were absolute fine. It was quite it was quite puzzling the ones against Swansea because even Cavalero took the first corner and it was a very good one and we almost got an opportunity from it and then was off corners for the rest of the game. Um, and Knockhart delivered some particularly bad ones that game, but I don't remember him doing a particularly bad one on Saturday.
1: Yeah, and also it kind of felt it felt comfortable from as soon as we scored, it was like. And I don't think we're going to lose this game. There didn't feel like a moment where I was... You know, the Rodak made a save on 88 minutes that was mm. decent, that was but comfortable. Cool um, and I didn't think we were going to kill the game. It's nice to get a fast break. <laughs> we were always mm. complaining about this. and but, but on top of it being quick and, you know, Hector does really well to get rid of it in the kind of right direction. Kamara kills it off. I don't think it matters if we score or not because it's the time's up. Mm. But... Uh, what's really nice is Kamara's vision to sort of look up and go, okay, Cav's there. And Cav's vision to go, all right, yeah, have it back, actually. Yeah, go on.
0: I, I thought Kamara showed so much maturity in doing that. I think it shows how far he's come. And I was actually thrilled for him because, you know, to make that pass to Cav, I think, um, yeah, it just, you know, he's grown up a bit. And <laughs> I was I was really pleased for him that he could finally put it away.
1: Absolutely. And we we were complaining about fast breaks, Ben. <laughs> you know this. <laughs> well, and for yeah. us to then you know, go and score from one it is it's good to see, even if it is maybe, you know, aggressive counterattacking with them having almost everyone in the box to try and snatch something.
3: Well, yeah, but you've got to make the most of the opportunity when it comes to you, right? But I think the most important thing you see from that segment of play is that the ball breaks for Kamara who takes it away and you see three or four people bursting forward like they're trying to calf, to, to move Oh my god. Sure. My <laughs> word. I've never seen someone stick their chest out so much yeah. when they run. <laughs> <laughs> as I noticed does. that as
0: well. I was like, wow. He runs really upright. Yeah, right?
3: really, yeah. really upright. Really top heavy. And uh, yeah. It works. Like, it must be
0: the really way to do it speed,
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. He uh, looked like he was like running in fast motion like someone had like, hit like <laughs> yeah. 1.5 speed.
3: Yeah. And, and like to see them break away it's so good and to to manage the situation that they were in and the finish is is great and i think yeah as as you say it is about it just epitomizes everything that he's been doing recently mm. and that he's really hitting a good patch of form despite ironically being a sub it's had he's had three direct involvements in well, goals in the and there's a lot game. of questions. Yeah.
1: there's a question about this so we'll come on to it properly yeah, right. uh, in the last section but two really good wins back to back both probably could have been nil nil hmm. and and, you know, I think it was up for debate and it was something that you kind of referred to really early on, Isabel, that it feels like that might be a good thing, that, you yeah. know, we we're, we're were very comfortable. And, and even if they were nil-nil, you'd have been like, we've played quite well in both of these games. And Preston and Swansea are both playoff candidates and we've looked good and in control hmm. of two good games, which is kind of what we needed heading into a couple of really tough fixtures.
2: I totally agree with that. And it is quite interesting how we are grinding out these results and sort of, you know what's kind of more pleasing is that we're kind of gone. That we're taking on these good teams and they're creating loads and loads of chances against us and having to rely on an exceptional goalkeeper performance. Although, or by it against Swansea, Rodak was was brilliant. Um, and the, the it is kind of like. Pleasing that we'll also be able to win by more than one goal. I was just flicking through the fixtures quickly. And the last time we won by more than one goal was against Derby in November. And we've won nine times since then, which is quite something. Um, yeah, it's good. Grinding out results. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that only three times a season we've actually given up the lead. Um, which was against Millwall, West Brom right at the start of the season. And uh, Sheffield Wednesday, which again was right at the start of the season. So if there's anything that Parker needs to have some credit for is the amount of times so that... You know, we're not having we're not having loads and loads of chances creating against us. We're able to grind out these results. It's not pretty, but it's very productive.
1: Joe Bryan, however, the latest injury worries mm. and pulled up again. Injury crisis looks like there's no sign of abating.
3: Well, no, it's really disappointing to see his hamstring sort of like exploding like it did against. It felt year. following Michael yeah.
1: Owen, didn't it? Like yeah, it in very 2001. much, yeah, two thousand and one.
3: Yeah, like it's the it is the classic hamstring pull, like. Do you know, it sort of feels like you'd see it on football cliches on Twitter, you know, like old video game injuries. Like that was like key Mm. FIFA 89th minute cramp. After you just hit <laughs> sprint for That's 90 There's nothing,
1: nothing more annoying than that in FIFA. It really but it is was really frustrating. Bad. It,
3: is, it is frustrating. And I think he's going to be, as much as a lot of people out there might not think this, he's going to be quite a big hole to fill. He offers quite a lot of stability. And he was coming into some really good form. I think he'd yeah. worked through what was quite a bad patch for Joe Bryan's sort of calibre of player. And was coming back into a little bit more of a pebble patch of form. He was kicking a
1: ball around on his Instagram on Sunday, though. It was with his oh. left foot,
3: though. So And he well, did not make a child. He, so he did not like make that. a child. He's <laughs> <It's just>, delirious. <laughs> I'm, here,
1: I'm here for him, like, having no mercy to, to, you know, to the poor child. But yeah. but still, um, him moving around and kicking a ball, even if it was with his left foot, is probably a good sign. Although yeah. I think he will be out for a little
3: bit. I time. think like a, ha- a typical hamstring strain is like three or four weeks, isn't mm. it? So I us hope it's... It's not anything more, but we could do with him. It's a, I do, it's a tough run of fixtures. I
0: do feel for a player like him because not only is it it's a physical injury, but I think he's quite an emotional player. I think he wears his heart on his sleeve quite a lot and he's been quite open about mental health and things like that. And I think when it comes to confidence, you're not playing, so... I do feel for him a bit and I hope he can get back to form as soon as possible, really.
1: Absolutely. Right, after the break, we're going to be talking a bit about that Bristol City game and answer a load of your questions. But just before that, a little plug for Level Playing Field, who are a charity... The campaigns are an inclusive and equal matchday experience for all disabled supporters across England and Wales. They were the organisation that helped form the Fulham DSA last year and they provide constant support and guidance to them and the club and they kicked off their 2020 weeks of action on Saturday which is a time we can celebrate access and inclusion but also you know, informing and inspiring. We've seen Fulham pushing it, which is good. It's a really worthy cause on their Twitter, at the game on Saturday and in the program. And at the moment, the Fulham DSA are running a supporters survey as part of the whole campaign. Every time it gets filled in helps. So if you head over to at Fulham DSA on Twitter and get involved, that will be really, really good. Well worth your time. And like we say, a very worthy cause. We'll be back after the break.
4: Would you like the latest Fulham breaking news straight to your phone? I thought you might. If so, sign up to the Fulhamish WhatsApp channel and you'll receive regular match day updates, transfer updates, breaking FFC news and podcast alerts. It's 100% free and you can opt out anytime if you want. To sign up, go to fulhamish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp and follow the instructions. That's fulhamish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp. We've asked you guys before whether you like free beer and the answer has always been yes. So we are back offering you guys just that, free beer. It's all thanks to our good pals at Beer52.com who are giving you the opportunity to sip eight delicious craft beers for free. All you need to do is pay the postage which is £4.95 and actually... As a special offer for Fulhamish listeners, they're going to throw in two extra beers. So that's a total of 10 free beers and all you've got to do is pay the postage. Now, if you don't know about Beer 52, they are beer pioneers who find you the most interesting beers from the greatest small batch breweries on the planet. Each month, they send you a package of beers which have been specially handpicked from breweries both in the UK and from across the world. Now, Beer 52, there's no commitment and you can cancel at any time. You can also customise your plans so you get dark. Or lighter beers, whatever you like. So, claim your free box of beer now by going to beer52.com/fulham. That is beer52.com/fulham, and claim your free box today.
1: Welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast. My name is Jack Collins. I'm joined by Benjamin. Hello, everyone. Isabel Barker. Hello. And Farrell Monk. Howdy. Let's get on to Bristol City, which is the early kickoff on Saturday. Farrell, we hate early kickoffs. We like games <laughs> under the lights.
2: <laughs> I know, it's true. Um it's it's like mildly it's like slightly above a Sunday midday kickoff. Uh but Saturday yeah. midday kickoff is is um pretty bad. It's but if you it win, rank's really low.
1: You can then just relax for the whole weekend, That's which is true. nice.
2: I mean, i am actually quite fortunate that I'm actually gonna be in Bristol on the Friday, so the one saving grace is that in fact I'll wake up on Saturday morning and be like, "Oh, I'm already at an away game. How lovely!" That is As good. opposed to having to sort of trek over to like Euston or Paddington to then at like really early doors because it's a, a midday kickoff to uh, get the train across. Yeah, it's,
1: it's an early start if you're heading up there. Listen to these for some weird stats though. Lee Johnson does love getting one over his own team. We've only won one of our last seven games against Bristol City. However. We've drawn one and won three the last four times we've gone to their place. The qu- like quirk in the calendar and the way that we've had two league cup games at the cottage means that we've played them like five times at home mm. in the last, and, and only twice away. So we only seem to lose at the cottage, which is probably a good sign. <laughs> <Ben>. Yeah,
3: <laughs> it is really annoying because I've got someone that I work with who's a very staunch Bristol City fan and every time I seem to bump into him outside and he gives it me absolute pelters <laughs> and it's probably the worst thing ever but I, I do like going down to Ashton Gate I feel like we always get the, the rub of the green quite a nice there. stadium it's a nice stadium it's a nice part of the world um and we play nice football when we're there
0: where's not a nice part of the world there
3: wolves uh, have you ever been to bromford
0: <laughs> i've not been to bromford yeah I have you ever been wolves.
3: to most parts of us brentford i'm from yeah. essex and a lot of essex is really bad i do
0: a lot of west ham coverage so i feel really sorry for you yeah, so I yeah that's I not something being... i'd be boasting <laughs> it's yeah. my greasy spoon like looking out the window once thinking about my life but yeah, yeah. no yeah no, Crystals is a nice Br- place Bristol's nice, nice yeah, place to Bristol's go all right yeah all right. Good,
1: good night yeah. out as well um lost 3 and their last 4 and drawn the other with millwall although their performance against millwall the weekend was a lot better um, we'll also be seeing a familiar face in thomas callas who's come back into favor in the west country so yep. that would be nice it
3: would be really nice mm. actually i think like i think johnson's nickname should be bacon because he's so streaky <laughs> Like, sorry, It's literally like he wins three, loses five, wins three, loses four. It's like, There's no middle ground with Lee Johnson. He's a bit like Preston in that they either win or they just lose horrifically quite a lot. Um, and that's quite sad to see because they do play some nice football. And it, they've been threatening playoffs for a long time now.
1: Yeah, they always seem to just miss out. Um, they do have some quality, though, Isabel. Like, Vyman's there, Juju's there, O'Dowda, Jamie Patterson, Jada Silva, Naki Wells... They've lost Dan Bentley to injury. He might be back and he might not. But either way, there's a lot of talent in this team and, and they can cause problems as they showed us at the cottage earlier on in the season.
0: Yeah, and I, I've been watching them a bit recently and I watched the uh, the highlights of their last game. And um, I hate short corners, but they, they played possibly the best short corner I've ever seen. I hate them. They scored from it. Um, and... Yeah I think they look good at first but I feel like their defence crumbled quite a bit and I definitely think where we're at they're definitely beatable.
1: Absolutely it's, it's one of those ones he's switching at the moment between a 3-5-2 a 4-4-2 they've sort of stuck between stations in many ways they're a little bit like us in that Jada Silver is just much better as a left wing back than he is at a left back but trying to get him in the team is causing you know issues to the way the rest of their team is playing it's a funny one, Farrell, but, you know, is a draw a good enough result or do we actually need to go out and win this one?
2: Um, considering the fu- the run that they're on, I, I, I'm quite confident that Fulham could actually nick three points there, but I, I'd be okay with another draw. I mean, they're not a bad team. They obviously lost Josh Brownhill to Burnley, who's a very, very He's good player. He's a very footballer. Um, scored a, he scored. He scored against us in that. He did opponent. score against us. Yeah. He was excellent. Against he us. was excellent. Yeah, um, but they are a team that sort of like to play expansive and get the ball into the box, um, and it's not working for the moment. But Jeju is definitely sort of like you know he caused us a lot of problems in the home leg. Um, he's big. He's big. He's quick. He's strong. And he's quite intelligent. Um, he scored a fair amount this season already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You know, they are a dangerous team. They are a bit of a wounded animal, but it appears everyone fighting the playoffs is a bit of a wounded animal.
0: I think someone like Mitrovic, though, is going to have a field day, though, because they were so open. And, you know, he's kind of like right place, right time kind of person sometimes. And I feel like that was where they were at with Millwall. And that's how they've been with a few of their games. And I think someone like Mitrovic is going to Lap that up.
1: Well, Matt Smith lapped it up for Millwall, <laughs> so you'd imagine if May Smith can do it, then Mitchell might as well. Uh, ben, how would you set us up?
3: Um, I'd probably set us up 4-3-3 again. Uh, keep the balance in the midfields with uh, with Kenny, uh, Arter and Bobby Reid because I think Bobby Reid against his old club, a little bit of what they call in America, a little bit of a revenge game. Um, I think you can really start to offer Mitrovic some excellent support. I'm actually thinking about this before you asked me, and I sort of, would like to see Kamara start but also I'd quite like to see Niskins out there which is something I don't often say no you don't um, yeah there's a bit of, I don't, <laughs> you okay, mate? I don't know yeah, are you feeling alright <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I don't think so um, and I would actually like to see Cyrus Christie come back in at right back um, and just carry on as he was and take the game to them um, because I think since we've been playing with different fullbacks we've really been struggling with for attacking impetus and I think Cyrus gives us that and he showed it at the weekend Farrell
2: yeah, I don't disagree. I I I'd, I'd be slightly miffed if there was a big change in the way we play uh, the way we set up um uh, at Bristol. Um the only sort of like, you know, weird left-field suggestion that I would change uh, that I would do would sort of switch um not and Cavalero just to see if we can actually sort of um mix it up a little bit in terms of our crossing because quite a lot of times on Saturday we would get the ball into a really good area out wide and Cavalera would actually get in behind, for example, Cavalera would get in behind their sort of fullback, but then sort of try and turn and try and get a, a cross in rather mm. than sort of like catch, catch the defence a bit cold. But I mean, that is a bit radical, to be honest. Um, I, I would try and keep it the way it is because it kind of does allow for people like Cyrus Christie to offer something else because we can see how much he's come alive getting in and around the box.
1: Guess, well, would you keep the midfield the same? There's a lot of I calls don't... for
2: K-Mac.
1: But would you keep Harry that, Arter in the side? Oh
0: God, this is like a big thing for me. I actually really don't rate Harry Arter. Um, I think who was saying that... Someone was saying earlier that they thought um, with Kenny playing how he was, Harry Arter was able to do his job. And um, I think it was like A-star for effort. Um, he was running around, he was communicating. But I, when I was sat in the Johnny Haynes stand in the second half, I saw him like ping from three players... And he was just running and shouting, but he didn't actually make any difference. And um, yeah, I, I think of all like the central midfielders, I think there's just a better one out there. And I just well, I just don't rate well, him. Suppose, to be we honest, we
2: up all up know it's Har- Harrison Reed is, the, is a much better option than Harry well, He's injured. so Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I don't see too much of a difference from what, I, from what I've seen between K-Mac and... And Arter.
0: I, well, I guess looking at Kevin McDonald, I, I don't know if he um could make those runs like Harry Arta does and maybe he comes on at a good time. I did think Harry Arter should have come off way earlier in that game. Mm. But yeah, I, I don't rate Harry Arter.
1: So would you start K-Mac or would you would you keep Arter think, just out of, just keep, out of like posterity because there's no one else? Uh,
0: yeah, game. I think keep Arter and then bring on K-Mac earlier.
1: righty, right, let's get on to some questions. This is from Fulham FC News. He says... Mawson is rumoured to be back very soon, which is one good because, you know, it's nice to have players that aren't injured. But two, like, do we consider him for the team? It's important to remember he's one of our record signings. He's never played on his preferred side for Fulham and he did do okay in the Premier League before coming here. Would you switch it up?
3: Look, you might as well just call me at fan on Twitter because it really is that. But <laughs> I don't think you do at the moment. It's quite settled, especially at centre-half. At cent I think Hector and Reem have got a really nice partnership going. And with Mawson, I'm so reluctant to risk him because there's been so many times where he comes back and he picks up another big injury. It's sort of like you sort of just wish he'd ease himself back into it. I think There's been a couple of instances this season and last where we've sort of been like oh he's back now let's just chuck him in for 90 and there are players you can do that with and i think there are more robust players out there but with mawson i don't think that's the case also there's a pretty big rumor almost as big as the one that he's back now that he's basically got no meniscus left in his knee and it won't be very long before he hangs up the old boots Oh, that's just wow, real talk yeah. isn't it it's <laughs> nice dark.
1: would you bring him back in Isabel if he is if he is fit no, know
0: I agree with you I think um with someone like that so fragile if you like you need to ease them into it and I think I think I said this you know, don't fix what well, ain't broke
1: <laughs> Yeah absolutely especially off the back of two clean sheets. yeah feels yeah. <laughs> that like really really harsh okay Ken says if we were to be promoted this year would you like to have seri and Angisa back in the squad for a monk?
2: Uh, Absolutely. Especially Anguissa. Um, I feel with uh, Jean-Michel Serri that there was so much unlocked potential and he didn't perform at his best level considering how bad the rest of the team were. I think that he's probably one of these players that when the team is playing well, he's even better. Anguissa, he seemed to get better and better as the season went on. And I really rate him very, very highly considering he's still only 23 years old as well there's so there's so much more to come from him i was very very impressed um and you know we're talking about um players that would really add to the team and you obviously don't really rate Arta that highly
3: i mean Arta versus angisa it's a no contest isn't yeah, it it's a yeah,
0: mismatch yeah.
3: ben uh i'm going to be a little bit controversial i'd say no to seri yeah. i don't i don't no, think I'm he, with you. It, he's not yeah. had a good season this year and he's playing for galatasaray uh, there were rumours of him sent, being yeah, sent back. Yeah, yeah. and I, actually, actually the, the more you look into it, like last year, there was obviously some potential. There only scored a, a fantastic goal against Burnley, but when you look at the season before that, the reason he looked so good is because you had Cyprian doing all the running for him at Nice, and you had a lot of emerging players around him who done a great job, and he was in a system that suited him under Favre, and it just hasn't worked for him at Fulham. I don't think. I've unfortunately, I think he's one of the players that it just won't work for him. Zambo on the other hand has had a great season for Villarreal. They're going quite deep in a lot of competitions that he was meant to be going to Real Madrid. It never it never comes to fruition, of course, but he's a player that I think has got a massive potential in future in front of him and a, and a big future and if, I think that if we hang on to him and we manage to get promoted that he'll be a massive player for us uh, in the coming years and as Farrell says, still only 23 for Cameroon International, I think, yeah. Although Marseille I do think they've had our pants down with him, I think he will be become something.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, let keep them rolling. This is from our favourite, Soul Bamba. He says, obvious one maybe, but do we start AK-47 ahead of Anthony Knockout against Bristol? Surely he offers more, Isabel.
0: No, I don't think so. I think um, he's made... I feel like we've we've had the chance to do that quite a few times now you know through seasons we've had this chance and um i think he makes such an impact coming on that, that that's not a bad thing to be a good sub like it's not bad to have a good bench like Ask that's uh, that, that's that's like his that's a role in itself if that makes sense that might be a bit belittling him but like being a great sub is is fantastic and i think that's a really good job for him to have and i think that having a short window to come on and make such an impact is will boost his confidence instead of coming on and maybe, you know, losing his rag and not having a good game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he started in the Millwall game, didn't play particularly well. You know, running on against tired legs and having the pace and power of Bubakar Kamara is, you know, obviously going to work for us later on in games, and he's he's proved that three times in a row
2: now. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we got to think about what's best for the team and not necessarily just best for that one particular player and what's best for the team at the moment is it is Kamara coming off the bench and producing wonder crosses of Beckham like ability (laughs) where does that come from actually this was a separate question so TJ Carter says do you think
1: Scott should be getting some credit for the tweaking tactics seeing us be a bit more direct and should he also be giving credit for the development of Abubakar Kamara we're quick to criticize when he does things wrong is it time to praise him now is this good coaching Ben
3: what telling the players get the ball in the box?
1: Well, I mean, but you know, we never we never think of Kamara yeah. as a crossing kind of player. Mm. You can expect, even when he played under Ikanovic and he played wide, yeah. he drove in behind, and if he did cross, it was low and direct and drilled. Yeah, he suddenly started, you know, looking up and pinging in floaters that have picked out Mitrovic three times in a row. That's you know, that's good stuff.
3: Yeah, I think it the, there becomes a point where you have a player, and it comes down to that belief in that player, and I think. Parker's an excellent man-manager as, as a lot of people might not give him that credit but I think the simple fact that he is and then you look at someone like Angisa, who last year suddenly developed at a massive rate of knots under Scott Parker but beforehand had sort of plateaued under Ranieri albeit was largely injured and at the AFCON last year right um, so I do think that Scott's actually a great man-manager and when you show belief in the player he always performs above that level and I think we're getting that with Kamara and Actually, I I completely agree with Isabel. Like you, you keep him there as an impact sub, and you give him a role to come on and change the game, and you know let him take the ball by the horns. So that you don't give him a, When you play with a starting berth, you always tend to be a little bit more shackled than you will be if you come on and you have to influence a game. And yeah. I think that's where Ak does it because a lot of this, although it's it sounds like an insult, it's actually probably not as like it was similar to you earlier. But he he doesn't think all that much. I think that that's great for a player because you're not overcoached. He's what you would call a street player. Like Everything he's learnt hasn't been on the training pitch. It's been playing rough. Okay. Well, um, I think this is actually not actually sung as much as or known as
2: much as probably people do. But... Um, he's actually only started playing football at, like, 15 or 16. Yeah. So to to be sort of, like, starting in the chat, that. well, it being in the first-team squad yeah. after only being playing football for nine years or whatever it is, because he's still quite young. He's, like, 25 yeah. or something. Yeah. Is very impressive and probably something we should give him credit for. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, I mean, these questions keep rolling into each other and keep moving, but ScottyBoy101 says, <laughs> do we think starting Cav and Knockout together is the best thing? I feel it's more of the same on both wings and maybe we be would better to interchange them.
0: Again, I I don't know if this is just me that thinks this, but I feel like it they both do make an impact. I like having them on the pitch. I feel like reassured having them there. I think I I think particularly not car we just need to give him like an extra game like I think his delivery is getting better things like that and I think they do make an impact. Um but I feel like I might be a bit alone on that.
1: Well, Ben, you were asking for potentially Niski's Cabano to come in the squad, which is which is quite something from you, no, as we alluded to. But like, <laughs> but you know, is it is it Knockart you drop out at this point?
3: I think it is, yeah, because I'm still of the opinion, and I've said it all year, and you'll all get bored of me saying it. But Cav offers you something, even if he's having a bad game. I agree, and yeah. Knockart yeah. doesn't. Knockart loses his head. It's one extreme to another, and it's just a case of all that rationality that a footballer could and should have, just goes out the window. It's a bit mad. Actually, going back to the question itself, I don't think Cab and cut are similar at all. I think if you look at them, actually, one's selfish, one's selfless, one takes on players, the other one takes on himself. And actually, I've, <laughs> it's like, like one, yeah, one offers a lot more in behind and coming short and is stronger than he may appear. And the other one is Blood, Guts and Thunder, like essentially a a winger version of Harry Arter to some extent. Which is why I think Niskins would come in because I think those guys interchanging would be good. I also think that in part this comes from the team being compartmentalised before these last two games. You had clear sort of like thirds of the pitch uh, defence. Went well, American then midfield defense. and then. And then, and then <laughs> and the and then, last time you me in the Turkish. studio with Nathan, I well, imagine it. it's rubbed off. On he you. was talking about defense, man. <laughs> and um, like it was, it was so compartmentalized. And actually, like none of the thirds spoke to each other. But I feel like when you get Cyrus in there, and when you have that Bobby Reed link, and you have Cav, all of it starts to talk to each other a little bit more. It's almost like a system, but. I don't know. I don't think Knockout's the best one to have in there. I don't know why I think I want skins in there, but I sort of want his ability to just take on a player and cause havoc. I quite agree
1: with a lot of what you've just said. Um, All of it, I think. And yet, <laughs> I would start Anthony Knockout yes. on Saturday. I'm not saying
3: don't start Anthony Knockout. What I'm saying is consider starting Neeskens no I, I
1: agree with you and I, obviously I love Niskins to absolute pieces I would start him all the time every game and you know have a great time we'd all watch loads and loads of flicks and tricks and have a good time but um like well said, it, I, I feel like he's growing at the moment, knockout, and he's had a couple of, you know, not literally me and him are the same height. Um, but it was <laughs> like. Maybe
0: me as well. Exactly. <laughs> it's,
1: all it's all fun in games to it get onto like height. I see early, you. Um, <laughs> but we have, he's just sort of, the last couple of games has seemed a little bit calmer. His delivery at set pieces, like we said earlier, has been better. I still think he's got a long way to go to reach any level, which, you know, the levels we expected of him at the start of the season. But I do think he's travelling in the right direction and for that reason I would start him on Saturday. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I would I would still go with starting Nockart. I I do I mean, I've always quite liked Niskins Cabano. Um he he's never really had like a run in the team as well. Like even under Savisa and we were basically rotating him with Floyd Aite quite a lot and even Shea Ojo as well in that promotion season. Um but he he always seems to come off the bench and like make something happen and do something. I would argue that maybe minute by minute uh he's a more productive player than Anthony Notkart. Notkart does provide something that probably the uh, our other wingers don't which is like com- like intensity quite a lot of the time. Like I mean I definitely prefer Ivan Cavallero. He's a much more productive player. He's a bit more intelligent. But Notkart just provides something that sort of like you know gives the fullbacks a lot to think about constantly throughout the game. Um you know, it is a bit blood and guts and thunder, and he he kind of his his play is not as intelligent as probably you know someone like Tom Kearney beside him or Bobby Decker Dover Reed. Um, but you know, the, the, if you are just looking at stats alone, he's only scored once this season, no twice even, and won in the cup. And apart from that, I don't really remember him like assisting very much. I think he got the he helped score the uh, the Luton equaliser. I don't really obviously he's contributed to a couple of corners, but Apart from that, I don't really remember him much doing something else. But I,
3: I wouldn't. A I high wouldn't. Level of energy, yeah, and not always in
1: a good way. Like you know, mm. we've seen him fly back and fly into challenges. You're like, what are you doing? They, they thought the he amount... was
3: going to get sent off this weekend, didn't we? We did, yeah. We with always what? think he's going to get, the get the sent um,
0: off when the the he had like. A... We thought he had a little headbutt, but he didn't. With... Like, oh yeah. no, I, don't I still think haven't I seen. He that raised. He raised a hand. Yeah, and
1: it didn't look there was too much in it. to be fair,
0: but I think their argument was that players have been sent off for a lot oh, sort yeah, of things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So.
1: It's um, Right, this is the last question. Actually, there was loads of questions about this, but I actually really like the way this is phrased. It's from Sam Johnson. He says, do we set up better without Onoma? And there's been loads of questions whether, you know, Josh Onoma's inclusion or, or you know, lack of inclusion, is obviously injured now, is positive or negative to the to the side, whether it's beneficial or not. Um, but we did see this weekend, it goes back to that point about Bobby Reid, Tom Kenny have a little bit more space on the ball and, and be able to kind of control the game a bit more. Is that because Onoma and Kenny get in each other's way a little bit, Ben?
3: Um, I think so, yeah. I think you've probably nailed it on the head there that Kenny and Onoma seem to play too close together. Um, I know that doesn't really... I like, like, playing together can make sense in a lot of teams and a lot of systems and a lot of positions but in midfield I don't think you want two players that are basically sat on each other's toes um, especially when you've got a player like Kearney we often talk about last season was um, how do you get Kearney and Seri to play in the same team you probably can't um, and I don't, I f- although Onoma is a completely different player to Seri, and everyone can see that I don't think you can get Kearney and Onoma in the same team also with Onoma I don't want this to necessarily feel like uh a criticism of him because I do think he's a good player and I do think he offers a lot to us when he plays but when you when you have Odoma in a team in midfield it kind of feels like oh come on like move the ball the ball is slow the ball doesn't move as quick it's not as incisive and there's there's no real transition with Josh it sort of feels like the ball gets stuck under his feet a little bit and it's a little bit slower but I think that's just because Bobby just gives us an extra dimension. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Mm. And, and and Onomer actually is quite good at driving forwards with the ball. But, you know, if, if you've got him doing that, then Kearney doesn't do that as much. And Kearney is at his best when he's playing forwards. And, you know, we saw in some of the worst games we've had recently, those heat maps where Tom Kearney's passing the ball backwards constantly and I thought this weekend he was much more progressive in the way that he played. And maybe part of that is to do with the idea of who he's got in front of him and the movement he has with Bobby Reid interchanging with those two wingers.
2: Yeah. Um, when we saw Onoma at his best was when he was actually playing in the in the deeper role and was driving onto balls and winning it, winning it deep and driving forward and trying to catch the other team um, cold, really. Um, and then he's sort of just been moved around wherever we can sort of like fill him in because... He was playing okay, but we were having so many injuries and he was playing at like right wing at one stage. He yeah, Charlton
1: away, he played out on the wing. Yeah.
2: And he wasn't really effective then. And then he played then he moved into this into the number ten role. Um and, you know, there was a couple of he, he, yeah, there was a couple of games where he played the number ten role. He wasn't particularly effective, but he was okay, and being okay isn't good enough to get promoted really. The one the one time recently where I thought he was actually really good was pretty much the only player on the pitch who was really good, was that second half against Millwall where he really sort of played sort of like a pivot number 10 where he was finding loads and loads of spaces and was able to pick it up turn and drive on it and try mm-hmm. and create something from there. But apart from that recently, I don't think he's been playing particularly well and he certainly wouldn't get in the team now considering... Well, ain't know, broke. Well, yeah. To quote Isabel. <laughs>
1: so how
0: do you
2: <laughs> feel about it, Audemar?
0: Um. Yeah, I think... I thought he played really well in that Millwall game. But I think... A massive thing for us is having Kearney playing well. And if that means not having Onomar on the pitch, then don't have Onomar on the pitch. I think we saw Kearney, I thought he was literally putting his body on the line in that game against Preston. And I think he looked like he was really enjoying himself, you know, and I think... You know, if that means not having Onomar on, then that's more important to have Kenny playing well.
1: Well, that is all of the questions. And it means that the only thing left to do on this podcast is to name it. Obviously, I want it to be called the Irish Cafu, but I feel like you're probably not going to grant me that request for Monk. month.
2: Well, when Cyrus Christie scores, we can definitely call it the Irish Cafu.
1: It's going to come next week, yeah. Saturday. It's going to be a hat trick
2: probably. From Absolutely. Right back. But I've got to, I can't look past at the three word review from David Wellington. Preston wrong end
1: thank you to Ben Jarman thank you very much Jack
2: thank you to Farrah Monk thank you very much Jack
1: and thank you and well done on a wonderful debut Aww, to thanks, Isabel guys. It was. Um, it's always nice having debutants especially when they're good
0: and oh, that was thank good, you so, I loved it
1: no, thanks absolutely guys. I've been Jack Collins this has been Fulhamish thank you so much for listening and we will see you later on in the week where Don Betts will be hosting Fulhamish Extra a little bit more in-depth on that Bristol City game. If you're going to the West Country, enjoy your travels. Keep an eye out for a very hungover Farrell Monk while you're up there, you whites. Doodles.